welcome back everybody this is crystal and this is my guest edo hi hi crystal and hi everyone <laughs> um like i talked about on our episode yesterday um edo is um very graciously coming on as a guest to talk about the theories surrounding the brian shaver case so um edo do you want to just introduce yourself and tell uh, the listeners a little bit about who you are yes of course uh i'm a 40 plus guy and actually residing and living in sweden of all places for you who don't know where sweden is located it's a european country up in the north basically close to the North Pole and uh, uh, I've been working abroad and also studying abroad so totally I've been living in three countries. Uh, I grew up as a child in Italy and then uh, I worked in Switzerland also and studied there. So I went to an international school there and learned how to talk English so at least I uh, managed to learn something. from that but uh, then I uh, jumped into the hotel industry and I've been working in the hotel industry for 10 plus years and uh, so I actually was uh, worked as a night manager for a couple of years and was in charge of security and all that stuff oh interesting so uh, and after that I uh, decided to go for more more for uh, numbers and uh, yeah, so I uh, started with accounting actually. So I shifted quite a bit. I think that's why you and I get along so well because accounting is also my career path. So yeah, so actually, yeah, that's me. I have a, I have a two children, and I'm uh, sort of working parallel to doing. Uh, actually, started a, uh, a podcast about the case that we're going to discuss. So. That's a little bit about me. So, um, <laughs> what initially made you so interested in Brian Schaefer's case? Like, how did you hear about it, given that you're international? Well, I actually have an answer for this question because I remember it so vividly. Uh, mm-hmm. Because I wasn't really out looking for disappearances or uh, topics like that, but it just popped up when I was watching a, a YouTube program. And it's, uh, you know, that YouTube, they just put the next video on after you finish watching one, they put oh, the next yeah. one on. Yeah. yeah. So it was kind of like that. And then it said uh, the topic was like uh, the disappearance of Brian Schaefer. So I watched it and it was interesting. <laughs> but I wasn't completely mesmerized by it. Like, oh, wow, this is... I couldn't, by at that point, uh, uh, think that it would, I would take it so far into my life yeah. almost. Uh, How long ago was that? It started in uh, November of 2019. Okay, so um, almost two years now. Yeah, exactly. It's almost two years. It's been almost two years. But of course, I had a, I had a sort of a theory immediately. And uh, that's what got me into trying to unravel this uh, story further was this theory that I had because during that time we had this incident with this Saudi dissident who went into consulate in Turkey and basically disappeared from there and so he entered the building much like Brian Schaefer did he entered the building and then he was like never seen again so Mm -hmm. 
And, and later we found out that this dissident, he was a solid dissident, he had been killed inside that building. And uh, so I draw some parallel uh, ideas with what could have happened to Brian Schaefer. I was like, come on, something must have happened in the bar, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, I'm sure about that. So think, uh, checking things further uh, just got me into this uh, completely amazing story that is the Brian Schaefer disappearance. Do you think that the fact that you had your own theory so early on, did that lead to any confirmation bias on your part? Or have you really tried to stay open-minded about what you think happened? Oh, that's a very good question. But uh, no, of course, I wanted to try to validate my theory first. And uh, I, I met the hurdle instantly. I can, I can be upfront about that. Because, okay. I mean, the thing was that he went inside his bar, and so we have this bar, and then, okay, so if something happened to him in the bar, and he was killed there, um, it must have been quite a, you know, a hellish hole to enter. Who will enter a bar to get murdered, and no one notices, or no one finds out, and law enforcement uh, conducts an investigation for 15 years, so... No, the hurdle was the bar, and and then later, of course, I found out that this bar was situated inside another building. So, mm-hmm. because the bar was was also kind of really small, like uh, uh, both in uh, uh, yeah, I mean, people was was very crowded that night in in particular, uh, but also yeah, the size. Before we get into the specifics of um, like the bar and the layout of the gateway complex, sure, I sure. actually wanted to ask, are you comfortable sharing your experience when you were drugged in a bar when you were younger? Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, of course. This was in my uh, early 20s. And uh, I had just gotten back to Sweden from being abroad studying and working so I met this really good friend of mine who had grown up together and we decided to go out and have fun and party. So we chose this bar uh, in the southern part of the city capital and uh, at that time I was quite young but you know I had a girlfriend but she was not residing in the same town so I was kind of flirty mode. I was in that mode and I I mean now in retrospect I could sure. I mean I didn't do anything wrong per se but uh, i uh, i was kind of noticed all around in that bar because i i ventured uh, in the behind the bar desk and i started making drinks and stuff and (laughs) offered you know other bar clients and so i think someone had an eye on me and uh, wanted to recontribute or they wanted to you know so uh, kind of let me know that it wasn't appreciated what i was doing so and um, you said uh, in the near the capital. What uh, country was this in? No, this is still in uh, in Stockholm, where I okay. uh, where I okay. where I live at the moment. So so I was abroad, and then I came back to Stockholm. And from that point, I've been residing in Stockholm for since that time. So I've been living here for more than twenty years right now. Okay. So I I, I didn't know the uh, this particular bar. I never visited before, but uh, in. Uh, Afterwards, they told me that this is kind of a shady bar also. And uh, I mean, the area I know, 
the area, I know, but the, the bar was kind of shady and they changed the owners like a lot of times and stuff, but uh, but this was told to me afterwards. Uh, so, no, basically I had a really good time and a lot of girls like mingling with nice looking girls and everything and and after a while, like, like and then it just hit me, like it, uh, I started feeling kind of dizzy and uh, I felt something was really wrong so I just uh, left the bar and I went straight out and this was in the middle of the winter and we had it was really cold outside and frozen snow on the street and so I just I crossed the street also and uh, headed to a park and I just lay down face down on uh, on dirt basically and lay in that way and I was conscious the whole time but I couldn't after that, when I sort of laid down, uh, I couldn't move after that. But I was still conscious. I could hear things and I could talk, and uh, and I tried to, you know, uh, I tried to get attention, but sort of this not shouting, but sort of in this whispering mode. So uh, okay, I was found basically with a face down on the ground, and uh, and a couple helped me. To they actually called both the police and the ambulance. And uh, then I got to the hospital and my friend, which was inside the bar, he was like, okay, so where is Edo? I was completely vanished. And uh, he tried to look for me and he, well, I think he saw my jacket was still hanging there in the bar. So he knew that I had exited, but he couldn't find me. Uh, but uh, later when I was taken to hospital, he came to the hospital and made sure that everything was fine of course yeah and uh, and i talked to the the doctor and he told me that i mean have you been taking some drugs or and i was like no i haven't no because you had a really low percentage of alcohol in your blood like uh, you drink you, you drank a beer according to the tests so did you take uh, they call it like ghb it's a yes it's a particular drug it's a date rate drug yeah yeah Exactly, and I also found out it's a, it's a horse tranquilizer. So basically, I felt that way. The whole body was tranquilized, but you were still conscious, so to say. So you could yeah, talk. Yeah, you just you had no control. You couldn't you couldn't function, but your brain was still awake and all there. Yeah, right. Yeah, because the guy who found me laying head down, I I actually told him my phone number, and I told him that. Please call this phone number so I can thank you afterwards. I, only, I, I mean, I was that conscious. So it was... Uh, did he... Yeah. Did the couple call you? <laughs> no. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I still remember the phone number, though, weirdly. This is over 20 years ago, so I remember... I, yeah. I still remember the I phone mean, number. I think may, they probably didn't call you because, like, man, this is just a like, crazy dude in the street. <laughs> but the fact that you're trying to say, like so that I can thank you later is they know that they helped you so yeah for sure I mean I would have bought them flowers or something and said thanks I mean it was a really nice gesture but I think the girlfriend wanted to call the police only not the ambulance but he said no no, no we can just call the police I mean this guy's in serious trouble you know we have to call an ambulance <laughs> so yeah <laughs> so uh, no but that was that and that and that, of course, when I, uh, this friend of mine that accompanied me into the spa this night, when he found out that I was into the Brian Schaefer case and he listened to my episode, he actually, 
he actually told me, Edo, do you remember that time when you were dragged in the bar and you just vanished out of the bar? Do you remember that? I was like, yeah, I do. So he was also, you know, he also, he hadn't forgotten about it. And uh, so that's an experience. And of course I contemplated, you know, could that happen to, to Brian? That someone dragged him and it caused him to just disappear uh, in that way. Do you think that gives you a more personal connection to Brian that this this is a very real possibility that this could have happened to him and you've experienced it? Um, is that one of the reasons that you feel really compelled to keep pursuing this case? Yeah, I mean, partly, yeah, partly, yeah. But also, you know, that we like uh, on after Internet and we sort of we have a large number of people creating stuff and we just use it you know we just use it and 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 so this was my chance to contribute to the community to the web community and to the other communities that i found out a lot of information about this case and why should i just you know keep it for myself so i actually gathered a lot of information about this case and i noticed that if there would have been like a pod with the same with the same information as mine i would never release my pod but I noticed that there was a gap and a lot of uh, misinformation about this case. So I just wanted to contribute, actually. So that's also part of the reason that I want to give something back. Because I always, you know, right. when you sort of Google things, always someone is behind it. You know, they, they help you out somehow, some way. And I, I wanted to give back this time also. So, so it's, so it's part is fa uh, fascination for the case, of course. And then we're almost the same age. He was born a year prior to me. Um, Oh, actually, I was born a year prior to him. Sorry, <laughs> and uh, and then I had this ex experience in a bar, and then I worked also like a night manager. So I had security guards running around in the in the premise where I worked, and I was in charge. And I made always this uh, uh, this uh, checklist uh, before I started. I had to control each and every um, uh, like locality, and uh, I had to check all the premise out before I could start my uh, my work shift. So I was really into that, you know, security is quite important. And uh, we were highly tutored by our management in the in the hotel property where I worked, you know, for uh, example, fire, um, fire issues, uh, that was very recent. So we had a um, I'm also into that aspect of security and property and so forth. So every uh, all of this combined sort of made me, I don't know, a perfect prey for this case. So, so. yeah, and um, we can talk about it again at the end. But what is the name of your Swedish podcast? Yeah, then the Swedish name is uh, Försvinnandet of Brian Schaefer. And Försvinnandet okay. is the disappearance of Brian Schaefer. Yeah. And you've started an English version of your podcast as well, correct? That's true. That's true. What is the name of your English version? A Brian Schaefer story. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. So going into theories about Brian's disappearance, there are so many of them. And... Yeah each one has so many branch offs. So I, I kind of separated them into general categories because trying to go into every single little one is going to take the rest of our lives. Mm -hmm. um, 
But basically, I guess starting with uh, the first theories is that Brian went missing on purpose. He willingly disappeared from his own life. Um, one of the main theories about this is a surrounding a personal nervous breakdown of his own. I mean, he lost his mother just a few weeks prior to his own disappearance. Do you want to go into that a little bit more? There was, um, I didn't go into this in my episode because I kind of wanted you to go into it a little bit more. Uh, there are some details about uh, his mother and her death and an inheritance that was supposed to be going to Brian and a lot of family drama surrounding that. Will you explain that a little bit more? Yeah, sure. I can talk about that part. But uh, no, of course, when uh, when a close family member dies, uh, they have uh, uh, they have some assets which goes to the other close relatives in the family so uh, in this case uh, there was a yeah there was a large amount of money i think uh, around forty thousand dollars something like that and uh, uh, i think that they uh, she uh, made sure that it was the boys who got the money brian and derek and the father was a little bit grumpy about this so uh, I'm not really sh- sure exactly where, where this started, but I think it started with the PI who dug this up. And uh, I mean, sure, a lot of crime uh, uh, takes place after for, for money and, and that kind of things. But, but I don't really see like a connection where because you have to have a part involved who makes Brian disappear also. Um, for a, for a sum of money, I can't really see that one. But but that was that was the that uh, the mother um, they the uh, the brothers were to inherit my, uh, money from the mother, and uh, the father was grump about it. So that's that's okay. Yeah yeah, that's basically it. So uh, I haven't really found out some more about this because in order to take this further, you have to basically to talk to the family members themselves, you know, to clarify, because right. this is not, this is not information that you can Google or, uh, it's, it's probably right. other, other speculation as well, you know, continuing taking this further is speculative. Yeah. 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 Um, I think me personally, I don't see a lot of merit in the theory that Brian willingly stepped out on his life. Like, I know some people really do think that, man he was stressed out about school and his mother dying and he just left because he didn't want to deal with it i i don't see that i mean the thing with the, with this case is that everything is on and off the table at the same time basically so right right so that's the intriguing part with this case is that you can you can have your ideas and your opinions but still you cannot really erase that theory completely because there is this slim chance before they find the body and before they know what happened, even if they don't find the body, you cannot really discount this completely and say that that's unimaginable. But of course, you can sort of uh, logically try to contemplate, okay, is this possible or not? And my ideas around him living voluntarily and walking off is that probably, I mean, this is not... It wasn't three months ago that Brian vanished. 
It didn't happen last week and it didn't happen a year ago. It happened 15 freaking years ago. And counting almost. So each day passing, actually, that theory is less and less valid if you contemplate that. And uh, you would expect that if he made it out of there alive, that someone would have seen or heard something and reported it. Maybe not the day, the same day or the day after, but but and then people say, yeah, but you know Brian Schaefer is not, he wasn't really famous, but yeah, but his 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 poster, his missing poster was hanging all over Central uh, Columbus for several months after he vanished, and and he has a very distinctive look to him, and he has a very distinctive tattoo. He does. Um, and people still look to for him to this day. I mean, in 2020, um, there was that homeless man in Mexico that people thought might be him, and it turned out not to be him. Yeah, but right. people are still looking for him. Yeah, exactly. And the homeless man in Tijuana, uh, uh, the thing about that picture was that when I saw it, I, I sort of, I mean, I can't possibly expect that. I didn't know how old the picture was first, but I kind of thought to myself it must be fairly recent it's not like 15 year old picture but it must be fairly recent so uh the photo first surfaced in 2019 yeah 2019 yeah exactly but correct it surfaced but we don't know when it was captured basically it could have been like five years old and then started surfacing on the internet five years later but uh it was fairly recent and and i thought to myself brian won't look that way if he's aged 15 years or 14 years he won't look like that he will look much older because people when they when they think of brian they think a young guy 27 year old guy and they take that image with them continuing forward and with with years yeah. passing so that's why actually this year i don't know if you brought it up but uh, the big uh, thing that happened this year was that the ohio state uh, governor um or the uh, released the age progression photo. yeah correct the age progression photo uh, that i think is actually really creepy looking yeah yeah it looks like um if he was older yes but if he also had a lot of plastic surgery <laughs> there's something about the eyes of the photo that are just a little inhuman to me i i don't know like it's a nice frame of reference i don't know if it's the photo I would have released, but well, I know that they uh, they used images of his uh, parents and of his brother to sort of morph them into what Brian might look like today. And uh, yeah. I I can only the only uh, subjection I have against that picture is that he may look a little bit older than he actually is. So perhaps they they've they've thought that he has had a tough life on the streets or something and he has aged more than he would have aged you know being a doctor and living a, a, in a family home and everything so because I, yeah. I, I, I can sort of if I look at myself and how I'm aged uh, you don't get that white hair when you're 42 but sh- sure I mean it could have uh, I mean my my boss is 42 or 43 yeah. and he has quite a bit of gray hair oh is it <laughs> okay. yeah 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 so in that case uh no, I, 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 I mean, I appreciate the effort uh, by authorities to do this because it brings attention to his case, of course. Yes, and, and it's better than nothing. 
yeah it is for sure and also it helps out because i mean we all like uh, like i mentioned we we have this picture of him being young and how he looked when he vanished but now it's mm -hmm. passing 15 years he, he looks differently so it helps yeah. out you know so but f from what i know um well nothing has been discovered since this age progression photo yeah. so um but at least it was a good deed because not much has happened I mean, at right. least since I started covering it, and and that uh, that uh, Tijuana picture that started surfacing on the web is basically uh, the the major news that was uh, that was taken from this case, and then uh, there was this aid progression photo. Yeah. So going into the foul play theories, how do you feel about the theory that the uh, smiley face killer? is responsible for Brian's disappearance. Yeah, this one is big. And uh, this one is a big theory on uh, Reddit, on a lot of threads. And uh, many people believe this theory. Um, <coughs> no, my... I guess, first yeah. of all, do you believe that the smiley face killer is a legitimate theory? Do you think that this uh, man or woman really does exist? The first thing I'm thinking about is that uh, is it one killer or several killers? Because sometimes I see the smiley face killer and then it's the killers. And uh, I don't know if we can agree if, if it's a singular serial killer or if it's plural. Uh, no, but the, the whole idea was that these two retired FBI agents, they, uh, they, saw this, they saw these clues that a lot of young male adults uh, w were found in water, in bodies of water. And... Uh, and in proximity to recovering the body, they had this smiley face graffiti. Uh, so uh, th they started seeing a lot of cases and then tried to connect the dots. Um, but uh, I mean, some people believe this theory, others don't. I personally don't. And, and also because with Brian's case, uh, if you try to connect the dots with a smiley face killer, first of all, you, you have the only thing that you have is a male adult. You have no bodies of water. He wasn't. He, he has been found, and he right. They searched the Olentangy River and they didn't find him. Correct. That's the river. Yeah, that's the part of the river. the 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 bigger river is the Scioto River or Scioto River, depending on where you live in Columbus. They they say differently, but uh, no, they they really searched the 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 uh, the this river wasn't that deep really uh, at this point at this point of time when brian vanished so it was maybe ways deep uh, but of course there were some muddier parts that they uh, they had to utilize divers to to search that part of the river and uh, and also much later the, the a dam was built in the area so they they they, they emptied the, the river of water and they actually found another missing person's body there but uh, no traces of Brian Schaefer and they really looked they already started looking for him in the water by Sunday so he supposedly vanished on Saturday at 2 a.m. so on Sunday mm -hmm. uh, the girlfriend the, f the father and uh, his brother went out looking for Brian and they uh, they they sort of promenaded at the riverbanks and tried to look in the water if Brian would have fell down in the water and uh, right. uh, so the only thing about, I mean, I cannot completely rule it out that Brian fell into the water, but I think 
you either have to think that okay so Brian fell down and he died that's possible that's possible that he fell down and, he, and that he drowned in the water but I think that it's not really that, that reasonable to say that he, he absolutely wasn't found uh, I think he could have been found if he drowned in the water he would have been found so that's my idea on that and uh, so but of course yeah. yeah I um I I would agree. I personally don't think that the smiley case the killer theory is um I don't see enough of the evidence really lining up to um convince me that a smiley face killer or killers exists. So in Brian's case uh, like exactly like you said, all we have is that he's a young adult male that went out drinking and disappeared. There's just not enough more to really solidify that this is part of the smiley face killer realm of possible cases. Right. Yeah. I saw some rumors online uh, when I was going through Reddit and web sleuths that Brian was possibly questioning his sexuality at the time of his disappearance. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people connect the disappearance of Brian Schaefer with the disappearance of Joey Labute. Um, mm. Did you did you look into the similarities between Brian Schaefer and Joey Labute's disappearance at all? Yeah, I did. I did. I just read the... Uh what what uh, what's out there about it but i didn't like research it further and mm -hmm. and try to to see if they really you know stick together or if if it's the same perpetrator or right i think the prominent theory in the joey labute case which i haven't covered on the podcast so um okay. i don't have a ton of information on it i see um, but I think the primary theory is that um, Joey was known as a homosexual. Yeah. And um, I think that what investigators believe is that he met up with someone at a bar. They ended up going off together. And that person is responsible for Joey going missing. A lot of people, because of this rumor about Brian questioning his sexuality, wonder if Brian went home with a man that night and that is what happened to Brian. Right. So that person being responsible. Yeah, you're right about this. Um, I think the Julie Boots case is from uh, 2016, right? Uh, I think so. I had it. Yeah, it's, so it's fairly recent. Um, yeah, of course, there are similarities between the cases, but... Uh, I think this theme with uh, you know sexuality and I see it uh, on other cases as well. You know that that uh, this person or is is uh, uh, like out is uh, heterosexual, but then uh, uh, you know secretly he's gay and and. Uh, I think it's yeah. just the scandal of people wanting to spice up the story or add their own biased take on it I didn't see in uh, it was all rumors I couldn't even really find which one of Brian's friends started this rumor right. every comment I saw was there's a rumor there's a rumor there's a rumor right without an actual name attached to it 
but this this theory keep, keeps coming up actually in, in a lot of other disappearances so no wonder that it made its uh, way to Brian's cases also but uh, yeah. I mean for all we know for, for all we know we, we know that Brian had a girlfriend and uh, we know that uh, they were happy with each other and uh, they possibly contemplated marriage uh, so uh, that's what we know we know at the very least his mother encouraged him to marry her um, True. I did make a point in the episode to make it clear that uh, Brian did not have a ring because I have heard other podcasts say and he had a ring that he was going to be taking yeah. no he did not have a ring uh, they did not plan on him proposing over the trip. I'm sure Alexis would have loved it because it would have been a very, it would have been the perfect time for him to do it sure. if he chose to. Sure. Uh, there's no solid evidence that that was the plan. No, there's not. The only thing we have uh, is that the mother was sort of supporting this and she told him that uh, she, she, uh, she saw Alexis as the right a woman for him and uh, the second thing we have is that in front of um, a camera when uh, after Brian vanished uh, the the reporter asks asks him uh, asks her uh, excuse me if is Brian the right one and she said yes he's the right one basically yeah. so and from there uh, yeah, we have this that they were going to get married. I, I think it's sort of the same thing. Uh, it's spiced up a little bit to make the case a little bit more interesting because he was flying down to Miami and he was going to propose to her and then, you know, he vanishes out of the blue. So it gets a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I think people use it to back up the theory that he disappeared on purpose because um, he wasn't ready for marriage and everyone was pressuring him. So he just ran away so he didn't have to. And it's just. It doesn't help find him to insert these narratives into his story. Oh, true, true. It's a it's a narrative, and it's a probably it's a. I mean, it's not completely false, uh, but uh, but no, there is no factual evidence that he was going to propose to her down in Miami. Perhaps they they talked about it. Who I, I mean, who knows? Uh, we weren't living in their household and chatted with them right. about this, so. Uh, it's uh, it's speculation, but of course we're in a podcast, yeah. so we can speculate how much we want. So, <laughs> right. So. Um, how do you feel about the theory that Brian may have either crawled in a dumpster or been thrown in a dumpster and um, was subsequently killed when the garbage was picked up? Because that was another one of the theories that I saw, that he either wandered away from the bar drunk and climbed in a dumpster, or he somehow got in a fight or was robbed, because at the time, the area still wasn't the best, mm. um, and mm. possibly his attackers threw him in a dumpster. Yeah, yeah. Uh, sure, it's uh, it's plausible. It's plausible. Uh, it would take a lot of uh, strength to lift a, a dead man weight for a person who's six to six foot two, and to lift him up by yourself into a dumpster, um, and uh, I think that's why the theory is that he was attacked by um, at least two or three people. Yeah, sure, of course. Uh, yeah, I mean, I see like a sole perpetrator doing this. I see it kind of hard. I mean, sure, a scaffold on the street, and 
and it would be simpler just to run away from there instead of trying to you know waste time to cover his butt in that way uh, right. makes no sense but uh, but of course it's a possibility and we also have I mean did you ask if uh, Brian voluntarily jumped into a or was it is this another person causing this no a lot of it's either or um because there are some people that are trying to argue that um a young drunk dumb college guy might climb in a dumpster either as a joke and then he passed out in there or um he was just disoriented because he was so drunk and climbed in there just to stay the night in there I saw some people make this argument and more than enough people say that that made no sense for an educated person with a home to go to. Why would he sleep in a dumpster? (laughs) Because um, it, I will say it's not uncommon for a homeless person to climb in a dumpster because the enclosed space does provide a little bit more uh, body heat. Uh, It'll help preserve your body heat in the cold. And people made that same comment too. And they made the parallel that Brian had a home to go back to. Why would he climb in a dumpster? Right. Yeah. Uh, There is a case actually, uh, quite a famous one that happened in uh, the UK. And uh, the guy's name, he was actually a military guy. And um, Really? Yeah, and he has a weird name, but I think it's Kevin McKeague. So it's uh, Kevin and then it's M-C-K-E-U-G-E. Uh, Kevin McKeague. And he actually vanished out of the blue. And then later they got these pinks. And the, the pinks were sort of had the same coordinates as the trip for a for a dumpster truck going towards a landfill and uh, they actually after many years uh, concluded that uh, he voluntarily jumped into this uh, dumpster and then was picked up transported by accident of course and was later dumped in the landfill and they never found him uh, so there is a very tangible case in in this aspect, uh, connecting. So um, I couldn't say that's impossible, actually, because uh, could have happened. But what we have, the facts we have is that also on this Sunday, they checked the dumpsters. And Alexis... I was going to say they did check the dumpsters on that Sunday. They did. And Alexis specifically said that every time she lifted the lid, she had sort of a, a heart attack because she was... She, she contemplated she could find Brian in lying there dead, you know, so uh, and then the uh, the police did this in an organized manner, so they searched every available dumpster that was in the immediate area, of course, if Brian <laughs> walked off a larger distance away and threw himself in a dumpster you know, a couple of miles away, of course but uh, they, they, they really went with this theory because they also headed out to the landfill in Franklin County and they uh, brought canine units there and uh, there was a reporter also there filming in this event uh, so they even checked the landfill specific zones of the landfill where where the uh, this waste had been dumped basically right so uh, no they're taking this into very serious consideration and, and it and it shows that 
law enforcement did a thorough search for Brian and contemplated the various aspects and theories. Uh, so that's definitely among them that he either voluntarily went and lay down in a dumpster or that he was thrown into a dumpster. I guess this is a good time for us to go over um, if he even left the bar or not. Because police have stated multiple times they are 100% certain that he did not leave the bar. And I know that I have zero law enforcement experience, but I'm not convinced. Um, I think there were too many gaps in security and the surveillance cameras that weren't working and ways out of that bar i i personally don't think that it is beyond the realm of possibility that he got out of the bar without being seen yeah uh good point i mean i uh, i actually uh, well i have a strong opinion on this and uh, i was eager to find out actually what you thought about it <laughs> because uh, so yeah so for me personally, I I have been trying to find a really good source to know the exact layout of the gateway pl- complex at the time. I was able to find uh, buried in the comment section of like a video, someone who claimed that they worked at the Ugly Tuna Saluna, not at the time he went missing, but they worked there for five years and they said that there was no staff entrance so the staff for the bar and the band would come in the same way that patrons would come in so they would walk through the front door um, up that escalator and they would have been caught on those cameras however what i can't seem to get a good enough description of and maybe you can help me with this is um i know there was a service elevator that was used for supplies for the bar and there was another hallway that led to some kind of back exit i don't know if it was an emergency exit or a secondary exit um i know that that exit where it dumped out on the ground there was a camera pointed at the door but the camera was not functional and there was a guard patrolling but not stationed there So my understanding is that this guard is just doing loops around the building uh, on his regular patrol route. He passes by that door often enough. But Murphy's Law, what if Brian was able to get out this door when the guard wasn't walking by? Because um, statistically, he's away from the door more than he's by the door, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So, and there was also the scent tracking dogs that tracked Brian's scent um, through that locked construction zone and out the other side by the Wendy's. I was interested to hear if you think that the scent dogs really got Brian's scent, or if they didn't. Well, in the in the beginning of this episode, I mentioned that I uh, sort of ran into this hurdle of the building, of the Gateway building. Yes. And uh, that's the building called the Gateway Complex housed the Aglitona Saluna Bar. So in order to enter the bar where Brian was last seen at, you had to enter the Gateway building first through the entrance, and then you took mm-hmm. an escalators up 
basically. And then you turn right and then you enter the bar. So when Brian was seen outside the last time uh, recorded on the footage at 1.55, he subsequently was never seen leaving down by the escalators. Right. So he basically, we can say this aloud now, he went up the escalators two times and he went down the escalators one time. So let me explain yes. this. Yeah, because this was the second time around that he went to the bar. Yes, because they started their night there and then went further down to a different area. I can't remember yeah, the name. Yeah, the Arena District, basically. It was a new, newly built district with a lot of bars and stuff. There was a new stadium being built there and, and they made this bar hopping. And, but then they went back. They went back to the Ugly yes. Saluna. So for those who say that they absolutely missed him going down and leaving, I mean, they have it three times on camera, going up two times and going down one time. And then now supposedly they missed him the fourth time. But no, okay. So what happens from there? Okay, so uh, from from that point, the whole sort of this uh, mind jog begins. Okay, so if it didn't went down the escalators, how did Brian leave and exit the building then? So I put a lot of effort and a lot of research into trying to find information about this because th this I couldn't find. Uh, I could find a lot of about all the theories and the smiley face killers and everything, but I couldn't find a source of information explicitly uh, describing how the layout of the building uh, because... Yes, I feel like that's the most important thing. <laughs> like how you do. You need to know. I mean, maybe this is because me and you both have very similar work experience. I mean, you work... Uh, in hospitality, I work with property management and the building envelope is so important to know where's your egress and where are your legitimate exits. Oh, we sure. know that there's only one legitimate entrance and exit for the public, but that doesn't mean that there's not multiple avenues of egress because in the United States, I don't think many people know this. We require two ways to get out of any room. Mm -hmm. And so that bar has to have a second way out. Mm. I see. I see. And uh, yeah, then we have this. Uh, we have that the bar is inside another building already. So we would mm -hmm. have to look at the regulations from a property or a premise inside another premise. And of course, the building itself, the gateway building itself, has to have a, a means of emergency of exit if if right. uh, something happens. But also, the bar has to have it, and the bar had an emergency exit. So that's that's mm -hmm. the that's the the difficult part in this. That uh, uh, in one in one story or one podcast, they talk about the emergency exit, and then you hear something about the service elevator and the service exit, and then you hear something about the back exit. So how was the layout really in that bar? But inside the right. bar inside the bar you had an emergency exit you had an emergency exit inside the bar and uh, which yeah. did not have cameras over it correct it didn't have cameras uh, by the by the door but going out from the emergency exit following this whole path down to the street uh, you had a camera on the opposite side of the street when you exited as soon as this gate opened the, this emergency exit gate open you had a camera mm -hmm. on the opposite side of the street who zoomed in to record 
And uh, they say that the Zoom function was overridden by the staff and the Aglatona Salona has mentioned to the detectives that they, they placed a guard outside this entrance who would watch over the patrons who, who, who tried to leave. And that's probably what you heard about the security guard, if I try to connect the dots a little bit. It, trying to connect yeah. everybody using different words to talk about the same thing. Right. But I didn't see that the guard was posted there. I saw that it was a gateway complex guard that patrolled, which means he's not standing there all night. He's walking around the outside. Correct. Uh, uh, the gateway building had a security team of their own. Right. So they were in charge of the security of this whole premise of both the bar and the uh, gateway complex itself because the gateway comple- complex had housed also a big large cinema and that was the major the better part of the whole building was the cinema and uh, but no for this emergency exit purpose they sort of promised the detectives that they had a security guard by the end of this emergency exit looking that no one would exit that way and they promised detectives that no one did and but also Contemporaneously, you have this exit if you took the emergency exit from inside the bar now. I'm speaking from this uh, exit inside the bar. And if you took it and exited, you would end up on the street just adjacent to the entrance of the gateway building. So you, you, you ended up basically where all the people got in and out. So it doesn't really matter. This emergency exit is... Uh, is uh, I guess it boils down to, um, do you think... Brian could have gotten out of that building without being seen. Wow, that's a good one. Do I think that Brian could have made it out without being seen? Because me personally, just knowing what I know about building systems and human nature, and I, I can't say that I am 100% certain that there's no way he could have gotten out. I just think that there's too many opportunities for him to find a way out. I mean, not even trying to sneak out. Um, True Crime Garage, uh, the captain made a very good point. I think in the second time they talked about this case, that when the bar closed for the night, members of the band said that there were some patrons that went out a back exit with the band when they shoved everyone out for the night. And those people weren't caught on camera. Now that doesn't mean they weren't seen. It just means they weren't caught on camera. So depending on how many people went out and if maybe Brian was carrying something for the band, his face may have been obscured. He could have gotten, I think he may have gotten out. I'm not saying that's the way he got out. But the situation offers enough doubt to me that I just think that it's just, I don't think it's impossible that he was able to get out of that building. Uh, well, concerning that exit, that uh, as you mentioned prior, that the, the regular staff of the Agritona Salona, they, they used the escalators to go in and out. It's right. true. That's true. But then you had some staff who also used the same exit that the band used because the band they had a lot of equipment to carry on so they couldn't use the escalators mm-hmm. so they allowed them to park by the back of the building uh, so this is where this back exit comes into the topic that 
they parked the car outside and then they carried and loaded up their equipment. Uh, entered this back exit door and then they had to walk this hallway and take the service elevator. But the thing is that during this passage, there were cameras recording. So the lead detective has stated that they have the band and their friends going. They can see them on okay. tape. But they cannot, however they do, they cannot observe Brian Schaefer leaving that way. Going back to uh, the scent dogs, do you think that the scent they tracked out of the building was Brian's? I can only go with what the lead detective said in this matter, is that uh, they don't believe that it was a scent from Brian. Uh, they, they, they have said that uh, the, it was a, uh, the dog had a reaction, but it could have been you know, ambient dependent of a sort. Uh, it was raining also that day. Um, the only thing they haven't um, that, that's been added lately is that uh, they actually continued the scent. The dogs led them to uh, an industrial factory, which was abandoned also. So this really? is really yeah. because the last thing I saw is that it took them to a Wendy's parking lot. Correct, and that had been my impression as well. And then sort of things stopped there. But uh, now lately, new information has surfaced that they uh, they continued this. Uh, the dog took them further to an abandoned factory building, but they searched. Interesting. Yeah, they searched the building. I mean, nothing was found. Uh, so that's the latest news. But no, I think it's too. I think it's too um, too shady for me to just jump on this that it was conclusively Brian sent that the dog catched. Uh, some some people suggest. See, and I'm yeah. on I'm yeah. on the other side that I don't yeah. think there's enough evidence to say it wasn't him. I'm not saying it's yeah. 100% him, but I don't think there's enough there to say that it was not. So it's one of those things that we have to leave it on the table that it might have been him. Because we don't want to rule anything out. No, no, that's true. And I also, I mean, at first I, I really believed myself that that must have been Brian sent. But, you know, later when you when you have a like a first uh, strong sense of something and then you, you sort of think about it like during the course of many months or even years afterwards, uh, then perhaps you change a little bit, so, so to say, along the way. So I... Uh, I, I thought it might have been Brian sent, but but now afterwards I'm not really sure. I'm not so sure about that. But of course, can I say that it wasn't 100% Brian sent? No, I can only go with what the detective said that it was something made the dog react, and uh, it had been raining that day, and they didn't find anything either. So, but of course, I mean he could have jumped into a car or you know whatever could have taken place for him to just disappear, uh, but. Uh, the, the, then you also have this uh, uh, symbiosis between a dog and a dog handler, and you know it—it's a fine balance there. You have to be—you right. have to be a good uh, dog handler, and and we don't know the circumstances of all of this. But in in terms of the other facilities inside the Gateway Building and the bar, and they didn't find anything. The only trace that they found and all things that seem to suggest the dog had a reaction was outside this construction area exit and this construction area exit pointed towards the Wendy's restaurant and it pointed towards a, a parking lot and, un, and unfortunately uh, talking about cameras and that Brian wasn't seen the, the, the exterior camera of the, of the Wendy's wasn't functioning at this time well 
actually, I was about to mention that because yeah. I found uh, someone who keeps commenting in several places that he thinks that the Wendy's surveillance video was working and Brian is on it and the police are hiding it. Oh, wow. People will ask, they're like, do you have a source for this? Where did you hear this? And then he yeah. never responds. Yeah. So I don't know if this is just a troll that's trying to muck things up for everyone else. I did think it was kind of interesting. I saw that comment in two different places. Yeah. I think it's kind of strange because why would they admit that they have a camera, they have him on uh, the, the Wendy's camera. They could just... And why admitted. would they want to hide it? Yeah, I mean, they could just have picked any other cameras that there were a lot of cameras uh, around this area. And uh, many many have said that uh, Columbus have more cameras than Cincinnati, Toledo, and Cleveland combined. So uh, it's an area where there is a lot of coverage. And uh, But as they put it, as the law enforcement put it, this particular camera at Wendy's didn't function at this time. So they couldn't verify that Brian had exited right. uh, through this construction area exit. But... Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. That's that. That's as far as we know about this. Uh, so I guess after all of this discussion about all the potential theories and all the things that may have happened, what is your final theory on what you think is most likely to have happened? So what I think is most likely, and I and I rate this on a higher percentage. Uh, I don't think it's exclu- uh, exclusively what I'm thinking, but uh, I rate this a little bit higher. Is that there was construction going on in this gateway building uh, when Brian vanished. And he hasn't been seen, as far as we know, and as far as the uh, the police has told us, uh, he hasn't seen leaving the building. So there was, um, if you go by the words of the lead detective, uh, he thinks that Brian exited through the, one of these construction exit doors. And I just happen to think that if Brian ended up in that construction area, uh, at that time of the night, being uh, intoxicated as he was after a bar hopping spree of six, seven hours, uh, I don't think that he, he easily made it out of there. And and uh, and also, I go with the same words that the lead detective used, that it was an area under heavy construction. Uh, a, a sober person could hard nav- was hard for a sober person to navigate. And then... You can just imagine a, a drunken guy ending up in there and trying to get out. Uh, I think that, uh, yeah, I think that the most logical thing after 15 years now that we haven't found a trace of Brian Schaefer is that he somehow got stuck in that construction area and wasn't discovered when they searched the area. Um, they they spent. Uh, I don't have exact information on this, but I know that they spent two days looking in in this building. And then the father of Brian, Randy, came in with his own dogs and they let his dogs go through there and they didn't find a trace. But uh, if you take the search, if this would have happened anywhere else. Now, this was a construction area. What happens when you sort of search the place for two days or three days and then you go out and you search other areas, of course. It happens that there are keeping on building they're keeping on building so when you've searched all the alleys and back alleys and all the neighboring uh, ways to find brian and you don't find him if you try to go back to this construction area i mean it's you basically have a have a settled uh, and uh, constructed 
floor there uh, and you have walls and maybe you have a shop who, have, uh, who has moved in so uh, trying to find Brian in that situation was was nearly impossible so um, uh, yeah that's my theory that is, uh, I mean the highest percentage I put is that I don't believe that he he made it out but I think that uh, something happened to him in that construction area and that he didn't exit um, that it was some sort of an accident and uh, and to try to collaborate this I had I found another case which I talk about in my podcast but uh, it's very similar circumstances within with this person he sort of vanishes vanished from a, from a crowded hospital building and uh, they, they went in and scoured this hospital they couldn't find him and then they spent a lot of years outside trying to find him they didn't find a trace of him and then the family contacts a private investigator who finds this man after 24 hours and he was inside that hospital building the whole time uh, so he had he had uh, he had had a surgery but uh, the two nurses that were supervising him they uh, they had to leave for an emergency and when they came back he was gone but uh, uh, there was construction going on in this hospital so what happened was that he he went up and then he went to this uh, hallway and passed the corridor and then he accidentally fell down it was a hatchet that wasn't closed so he fell down and uh, uh, he fell around 60 feet and uh, but survived the fall and crawled into a corner and then later died of uh, of a cold there so he was basically they searched for him for almost three years and he was lying basically four or five feet away from where he had disappeared the whole time so you know this this gateway building if you if you have a look on google maps for example it's a it's a very large building and there was construction going on and on, on, on the large parts and i think that that uh, they, they they sort of checked the area of course they checked the place but at that time when they checked the place after two days they sort of couldn't really understand how how would a, a guy a drunken guy go why would he go in there in the first place you know exit that way it didn't really make any sense to them at that moment but of course they searched the area but then when they didn't find anything and they went back this area was fully constructed i mean there was nothing to search it was payment ready payment and so yeah i'm i'm sort of i have this uh, f- feeling for this it is it's so funny that that is your final theory because I have that on my list of things to discuss with you <laughs> actually right now. Yeah. And because of how long this interview has gone, I decided yeah. just not to bring it up. And now that's your actual theory, which is so funny. Yeah. I, I think that is completely a plot. I don't have my own solid, like, I think this is the theory. I think a lot of things make sense. And the construction thing makes a lot of sense because construction projects are scheduled down to the hour in some cases. You have different people coming in and out. You can't have a painter at the same time as you have plumbing work done at the same time as you have concrete being poured. I mean, these people are scheduled in a very tight schedule. And them shutting this project down for two days potentially depending on what they had scheduled that can set a project back for weeks because for example 
if they had a carpenter coming during those two days well the carpenter can't do his work and we have to reschedule the carpenter well who has to do work after the carpenter's work is done now we have to reschedule them and we have to reschedule all the things that come after that so yeah them struggling to catch up they're going to be scheduling people on top of each other even more than they already do and I've seen people mention that this construction theory doesn't make sense because they're like, oh, well, the door was locked. I cannot tell you how many times when a construction door has not been locked. And it's no one's fault. It just happens that, you know, uh, the site foreman goes home for the day and uh, they have one vendor left working in there and they're like, hey, lock up when you leave. And that vendor just forgets. Yeah. So, I mean, people say that this door had to have been locked and perhaps there was a lock on the door. That does not mean the door was locked. So it's it's a completely viable theory. I think it makes complete sense. I just I don't know. And the fact that the building's completed and you can use ground penetrating radar all you want. But if he went in in the wrong portion and somehow ended up below foundations. I don't think ground penetrating radar goes that deep. So, no, uh, I'm not really into that that technicalities. I mean, how they work, and I know that they used some some type of high uh, gadget equipment when they found this gentleman that I was talking about earlier. But he was in a cavity. Uh, yeah, yeah, sure. He was in a cavity. Yeah, it was a uh, yeah. It has something to do with ventilation. It was a void space between uh, walls. That actually reminds me of, I don't know if you guys heard about this over there, but there was a case here in the United States of a grocery store employee went missing and he didn't show up for work and no one could find him. And I don't remember what the timeline was because uh, Kat actually reminded me of this. That what had happened is that he had fallen behind the big industrial freezer they have at the back of the store and he had died back there and no one had smelled him and no one had um, heard him calling for help back there and he had died back there, which is so sad. But I mean, it happens all the time that people literally go missing just not even a stone's throw away. It's just a couple of feet away. So it's not beyond the realm of possibility that this could have happened to Brian. No, it's uh, that case is, uh, is one which can be used in connection, you know, trying to give a plausible answer to what happened to Brian. And also this, you have this DJ. I think he has the, fir- the same first name as I do, but uh, something with Eduardo Sanchez or something like that. But he, he played in this venue and then ended up uh, behind a wall somehow and <laughs> basically completely vanished and and then they found they um, they came some order after a while and and you know they could link that he had somehow gotten into this wall behind where it was basically where he was djing so mm-hmm. so that's another case of persons but but i actually spoke with a with a girl from italy who uh, she's into you know true crime and stuff and then she gave me four or five other different cases as well um, which we don't have time to cover them all but uh, sure uh, this is not the first time that it would happen and uh, but but also I, I I sort of try to see the whole picture I'm, I'm, I'm not just uh, putting this out there and then 
and then they're just uh, you know talking about it I'm, I'm seeing the whole picture that Brian has been gone for 15 years by now and he hasn't been seen or heard since then so right that is sort of what leads me to conclude that perhaps in contrary to what the lead detective believes that Brian exited I perhaps think that something made him not to exit this construction area and that is still is there and then the exact circumstances of what have happened I mean who knows who knows but uh, I I placed this theory quite high on my list I do actually okay yeah yeah Yeah. so so I mean yeah I mean thank you for talking to me today (laughs) it's a good conversation oh it's been a pleasure honestly yeah, and thank you so much for working with us the past couple of months. I know Kat is very, very sad that she can't be here. Um, yeah. I don't think I mentioned it at the beginning of the episode for the listeners, but Kat is, uh, she's been sick. Everyone has known who's been listening to our podcast weekly. She's uh, She and I have traded being sick for about the last month, and um, she's just not feeling well. So she couldn't be here, and we miss her. Um yeah, sad. But uh, one more time, what is the name of your English podcast? Uh, it's called A Brian Schaefer Story. Okay. And um, are you still working on it or is it completely done and you have all the episodes out? No, uh, I actually released an episode yesterday. So. Oh, perfect. Okay. Yeah, I'm still actually on it. So. Yeah, and I know you do a way deeper dive than Kat and I did, so... Uh, you have so much information that I know we could not even get close to covering in a one hour episode. Oh, so thanks. thank you for that. Everybody should go and listen to that podcast. Is it, um, is it every, like Spotify, Apple podcasts? Is it everywhere or where is it? Yeah. It's sort of everywhere actually. Okay. Yeah. yeah it is. Cool. I will, um, I'll probably post a Spotify and an Apple podcast link in my show notes just so that people can get to it really easy and, Ah, would be great. Thank you for that. Yeah, no problem. Lovely. It's been a pleasure visiting this podcast. It's uh, one of the few I actually listen to regularly. So <laughs> I'm all excited actually to be here and uh, to be able to to go through this case with you because I mean it's my yeah. pet case. So. And I I have enjoyed working with you so much. I mentioned this in our first part of this episode, but you're like the nicest person. (laughs) You're so nice. (laughs) Like, okay. I'm sorry if I'm embarrassing you, but like you guys, when we had a hundred degree heat wave over here, Edo emailed us to make sure we were okay. Like you're just, I can't. And during the story of you being drugged the fact that you wanted to try and buy flowers for the couple that helped you like you're just a very nice person <laughs> well thank you for that yeah of course you're in this heat way i wanted to make sure that you didn't melt away you know so i had someone <laughs> someone to talk to you're about. like we have a job to do you need to stay alive yeah. so that we can yeah. record <laughs> we're yeah, actually exactly. in the middle of another heat wave so now i am free to melt if i need to because <laughs> we're done yeah yeah for sure all right well it it has been so great talking with you. Thank you so much for the same. It's been a pleasure. Here. Been a pleasure having me. Uh, thank you very much. Yep. And for all of our listeners, uh, like I said, I'll have links for Edo's show in our show notes. And uh, Kat and I hopefully will be back, and we'll see you next week. Wow. Bye. Cool. <laughs>